we would desire to walk in calm waters and places where we feel secure. But many times you allow or you lead us into waters that are deeper than what we're used to. Circumstances that, that are a trial, that are, that are difficult, that require us to deepen our faith and to lift up our eyes and look to you because we don't have the ability to handle it. And I pray for every individual here this morning, Lord, for I know that most everybody's going through something at all times, different issues, different circumstances. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that our eyes would be lifted up to you, knowing that the oceans are too deep for us, the waters are too high, and that we need you. And we need you as a nation. God, we desperately need your help. We pray for our leadership, President Trump. We pray for our Congress. We pray for our cabinet officials. We pray for the people in our government, people in our military. God, all of them are playing a role. And we pray that they would have godly wisdom and they would submit to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. As we seek your wisdom and your direction and your guidance. And Father, we thank you for this day that we can remember. We can remember those that have sacrificed, given their all in order for us to experience the freedoms that we experience. Let us never take that for granted, that we would always know and understand that sacrifice. And even as we think of that, that we would think about and be reminded of your sacrifice. Your, you gave your only son, Jesus, to die for us so that we could live and have eternal life. I pray that we won't forget those things. Thank you for the reminder today. And we pray now, Lord, as we look at the Word of God, the living Word, that you will speak to our hearts, change our lives, Lord. This is, this is not just a book of some sort, and these are not just words of a God. These are the words of the living God. And I pray that you would teach us and change us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Let me tell you a story about a local enterprise. There's one in every town no matter what its size. It doesn't turn a profit or bring in any revenue. It's good for one thing. That's the damage it'll do. It's called the rumor mill. If it can be twisted, you can be sure that it will, because there ain't nothing sacred at the rumor mill. The people that work there are all volunteers. The only qualification is a mouth and two big ears. If the story's not clear enough, that's okay. They'll just doctor it up and send it on its way. It doesn't matter who's involved or who it's going to hurt. As long as folks are listening, they'll keep shoveling dirt at the rumor mill. Rumors, rumors. Have you heard the latest? Wait till you hear this one. That's nothing. Did you know 
What do we do with rumors, with rumors? We actually hear rumors all the time. A rumor is defined as mere gossip or hearsay. It's an unconfirmed report or a story or statement in general circulation. And we hear rumors all the time. We hear rumors all the time. And the best rumors are those that carry the absolute worst news. Isn't that true? Worst news. The worse it is, the better the rumor. That's the way it is. Bad news. It's all bad news. Now, the book of James likens rumors, the work of the tongue, to a match, a small flame that sets an entire forest on fire. And I think last summer in California, we saw the incredible devastation. A small spark of fire, a small spark from an electrical wire sent an entire area of the entire state on fire, destroying entire towns and communities. Just a small spark setting an entire countryside ablaze with fire and destruction. That's what the tongue can do, what a rumor can do. Well, we're not looking at the book of James today. We are actually in the book of Joshua, in the book of Joshua. And today we're going to look at how a rumor nearly destroyed one-fifth of an entire nation. Think about it. A rumor just about destroyed one-fifth of an entire nation. And I want us to look at the story. We're going to turn to Joshua 22. Joshua 22. We're not going to read the whole story. I'm going to... I'm going to uh, uh, do my best to tell the story and refer to the passage as we go through that. But it's on page 187 if you want to refer to it in the Bible in the rack in front of you. Of the 12 tribes of Israel, as we've studied, two and a half of them had decided to live on the east side of the Jordan. When they came, when they came into the promised land area, they had conquered the east side, which you, you could say they came and they just, just took uh, control of Wisconsin. But they hadn't done anything with uh, Minnesota yet, so they had, to, they had to cross the St. Croix River and take over Minnesota. Okay, just trying to get you geographically oriented. So they're, they're on the east side, okay, and two and a half of the tribes said, we like Wisconsin, we're going to stay here. The rest of them said, we're going to go conquer Minnesota. Okay, so we have two and a half tribes living on the east side, and you have the other parts going off onto the west side. And when they had finished the war to occupy the west side, the rest of Palestine, they crossed back over the River Jordan to return home to their families. They were coming back over there to the east side. But before they crossed over, as they were getting ready to cross over the Jordan back to their east side area, they built a monument in the middle of the river, or right in between. In verse 10, it said, When they came to Galiloth near Jordan, the Jordan at the land of the Canaanites, Reubenites, the Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh, built an imposing altar there by the Jordan. Now, the purpose of that monument was to remind those on the east side that they were the same bloodline, nation, and religion as those on the west side. In other words, there was more in common with Wisconsin and Minnesota than just whatever. Okay, so they're thinking, we, we need to make sure that we keep this connection between the east side and the west side. They're the same religion, they're the same faith, they're the same people. They didn't want to lose their association with them, their identity. In verse 24, it says, we, we were afraid someday that your descendants might say to ours, what do we have to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? The Lord made the Jordan a boundary between us, you and the Reubenites and Gadites, 
you have no share in the Lord. So your descendants might cause ours to stop fearing the Lord. That is why they, we said, let us get ready and build an altar, not for burnt offerings or sacrifices. On the contrary, it is to be a witness between us and you and the generations that follow that we will worship the Lord at his sanctuary with our burnt offerings, sacrifices, and fellowship offerings. Then in the future, your descendants will not be able to say to ours, you have no share in us with the Lord. So they built this altar so that they would maintain that identity between the, the two parts of the nation. They don't want to lose their association with the rest of the nation. But there's a problem here, okay? Because altars were used primarily for religious purposes to sacrifice animals, and, and back then, even, even human beings. And someone on the west side saw them build the altar and passed along the information, which became, you guessed it, it became a rumor. Ah, there's the rumor. And once it became a rumor, it, it took on a life of its own. And the rumor had those on the east side, sea east side starting their own religion. Their own religion. And the Israelites, if you remember, during this time, they were, they were supposed to, to stamp out all false religion. And they said, here we are, and part of our nation is already starting a false religion. What are we going to do about it? So they took immediate action. They assembled for an all-out war to destroy this new heathen religion. Fortunately, however, as we read through the chapter, the leadership took action steps to avert disaster, and they saved the day. Now, what can we learn from this, from the rumor mill, the rumor mill? Action steps we take when we encounter a rumor. What do we do when we encounter a rumor? First of all, number one, take rumors seriously. Take rumors seriously. In, in this particular passage, a rumor carried life and death implications for the entire nation. So Now, for us, it may not be life and death, but rumors can be very serious indeed. They can be very serious. There was a young pastor in a small town who received a phone call one, one night late from someone who was suicidal. And this gentleman was sitting in a local bar getting drunk, preparing to take his own life. So this young pastor hurried up and got dressed and went over to Joe's bar to help him. And who should see the pastor going into the bar late at night but Sister Jones, wife of a board member. Ah, the rumors started to fly. Of course, Jesus would have probably been reaching out to people in bars too. And there were rumors about him too, but that's a, that's a whole different sermon, another story, another time. But anything can put a rumor into motion. Take rumors seriously. Don't underestimate the power of a rumor. Governments use rumor and disinformation all the time to confound their enemies. We see them today, and we've seen them recently in the last two years, especially in the form of press leaks. Okay, those are rumors, just kind of getting some information out there. A rumor is very powerful. And once a rumor is out, it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible to stop. Once a rumor is out, it's almost impossible to stop a rumor. When Judy and I lived in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, there was a, a group of bumblebees that thought that they would like to build a nest under our back steps. If you've ever had that happen, wasp nest, bumblebee nest, whatever. And when we would come home or get ready to leave, I mean, they were just all over the place, 
In fact, I, I got a can of bee killer and I put it on the steps and in the garage and I just kept it there because we had Brittany who was about a year old and we would come home and I would, one time I remember the bees came flying at us, I, th I threw Brittany to Judy and grabbed the can and started spraying so we could get in there, okay. Well, once those bees were out, there's nothing I can do. They were spread all over the place. And I, somebody said, well, what you need to do is spray at night when they're all home. In the, and I said, okay, so I did. And that worked. Okay. But once those bees are out, it was uncontrollable. That's like a rumor. Once a rumor's out, it's like it's all over. There's no way to control rumors. Rumors spread uncontrollably. And as they grow, they spread. And especially in today's online environment, they can become viral. How many of you have ever played the telegraph game? Okay, good. I, I loved that game. It was something we did in a youth group when I was a kid. You sit in a circle, whisper a statement to the person beside you, pass it around the circle, and the last person repeats what they heard, and there's never any resemblance to the original statement. That's what's kind of fun. So you can, you can see how rumors get spread, and they spread out and go here and there. Now, back in Israel, I can imagine, let's go back to Israel, I can imagine a shepherd boy tending sheep on the West Bank, watching the people marching to the Jordan River, stopping and then building an altar of stones. The boy, the boy probably told his brother about it, okay, about this pile of rocks he saw. His brother told his father about this huge altar. The father carried the story into town and told about the sacrifices. By the time the leaders of Israel got it, they probably were hearing about child sacrifices on it. I mean, you can imagine how this, this thing could spread. Rumor. Now, why is it that we're also ready to listen to rumors and gossip and pass it along? Why are we so ready to do that? Some will cloak the gossip in spiritual sharing or say, uh, I, have, I have a spiritual concern. I have a prayer request I want us all to pray about. Bob and Sue are having a terrible time in their marriage. Let's pray for them. Well, stop at the prayer for them. Why are we so quick to impute the worst motives to people when it comes to rumors? We quickly believe a rumor about someone else's characters, and somehow we just love to hear the negative, the dirt. It's just something insidious about human nature. Rumors. Rumors are serious. Take rumors. Sorry, I'm having trouble with this microphone. Is that distracting you? There we go. Okay. Take rumors seriously. Number two, do not overreact. Do not overreact. This rumor was from the east side. What was their reaction? Verse 12 says, the whole assembly of Israel assembled at Shiloh to go to war against them. Now, before you're too hard on these Israelites, remember they had spent the last seven years eliminating heathen altars and places of worship. They had a healthy fear of apostasy. They knew it was important to make sure there was not any apostasy or false religion. And they thought this group on the east side was starting their own religion that could eventually destroy the entire nation. And we read other parts, in, in fact, in verse 17 and 20, describes past instances when the leadership was commanded to destroy those polluting the nation by their sin. There was seriousness to this whole thing. But don't overreact. Number three is check the facts immediately. Check the facts immediately. In verses 13 to 15, the Israelites sent key people to the east side for one purpose. Check out the facts, discover the truth, confront it right away. What is your responsibility when you hear a rumor? 
What's your responsibility? Okay. Check it out. Discover the truth. Usually everyone else knows the rumor except the person it's about. That's what I've discovered. We can probably all tell the stories. A rumor begins to spread about you and you get strange looks. People start avoiding you. Soon you're all alone and isolated. You don't know why. Everybody seems to be talking about you. Well, some people never check the facts. There's one thing that mandates checking it out. One thing that mandates checking it out. It's a word called love. Love. The one thing that mandates checking out rumors and checking out the truth. Get to the bottom of it. Because we love. Loving enough to confront. It's amazing the facts we come up with. The leaders of Israel loved their brethren on the east side so much. And rather than allowing this to go unchecked, they stopped the overreaction and checked out the facts. They said, we need to get the whole truth here. There would have been an enormous tragedy and bloodshed. Innocent people would have died had the leaders not cared enough to confront and discover the truth to check out the facts. They knew the sin of one could affect the entire nation, but they wanted to check out the facts. Now, the leadership are called by God to hold people accountable for sin, but we need to check it out first. First. Number four, solicit explanation. Solicit explanation. I read verses 24 to 25, where it says, they gave an explanation. It said, that is why we said, let us get ready and build the altar, not for burnt offerings, it is to be a witness for us. The altar was built as a witness. It wasn't to replace the altar of tabernacle, not to establish a new religion. This was a, unit, a reminder of their unity and oneness to each other. Perception, perception is one thing. Reality was quite another. See, perceptions taint, taint our ability to see reality. And many times, our perceptions are wrong. They're wrong. How many times have you drawn conclusion about someone you met for the first time and they were totally wrong? Anybody do that? You met somebody and said, boy, this is what this person's like. You get to know them. It's like, boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. They're much worse than I thought. No, no, listen. <laughs> we're wrong. Perceptions. Perception to a lot of people is, is reality. We, we have friends who are missionaries in Argentina and they came home on furlough and flew into Seattle on deputation. They, they were there to visit supporting churches and to, and to raise support. And they had, at the airport, they had, ra they had reserved a compact car, okay? They had reserved a compact car. They got to the rental agency, and they were all out of compact. They were out of everything except one car. It was a loaded Cadillac. It was a Cadillac. Now, perception, reality. Have you ever tried to raise money while driving a Cadillac? It's like attending a missions conference in Barbados. Sorry, that's for Kent. He's not here today, but just tell him. I know. Anyway, that's okay. They had a missions conference. It was in Barbados because it, it was international. It was the cheapest way to get everybody around the world into that. But, you know, Barbados. Um, anyway, whatever. <laughs> Everywhere our friends went... They felt like they had to explain before they did anything. They said, just so you explain why we're driving a Cadillac. They, because perception equals reality, and they had to, you know, balance out the perceptions. Perceptions in reality. So solicit explanation. Number five, make peace. Make peace. 
In verse 30, it says that when Phineas, the priest, and the leaders of the community, heads of the clans, heard that Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh had to say they were pleased. They basically made peace. We just thank God that someone in Israel stepped forward as a peacemaker. Someone must have the love and courage to jeopardize their own standing in the community, to investigate, to confront, label rumors as rumors, and make Peace, make peace. And you know, in most understandings or misunderstandings between the people of God, there's, there's usually truth on both sides. Truth on both sides. The, the challenge is to find the truth and to make peace, bring peace to the situation. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers. Nothing pleases God more than when his people honestly seek truth and peace. John Huffman writes, peace combined with truth is the highest priority. Without truth, it's compromise. Truth without a desire for peace is brittle legalism. He says, unattended rumors can be disastrous in producing misunderstanding, yet rumors when investigated can produce positive results. Positive results. Have you ever been damaged or destroyed by someone's rumor? Rumors. Some of you, maybe even today, may be suffering because of the wound of a rumor. And I encourage you to give it to God. Don't, don't let a root of bitterness spring up. Because God can take injustice and cruelty, even by other Christians, even by family, even by, by dearest friends, and turn it around for our good. See, only, only God can do that. There's a good friend of ours, his name is Steve, worked a job in finance. Steve was an ethical man, professional in every way. And his employer sought to compromise and do some unethical things, and he refused. Steve stood up and confronted them. And as a result, Steve was fired. He was fired. But it didn't end there. The boss started rumors about him. He, he blacklisted him in that whole area. And Steve could not find a job anywhere. There was a lengthy unemployment time that followed. His wife was on the verge of suicide. Here he was, a professional CPA-level finance expert, unable to find a job, and he ended up stocking produce at a grocery store for two years. Nothing wrong with stocking groceries at a grocery store. He was a CPA, high-level finance guy working in a grocery store. Through this process, God did a, an amazing work in Steve and Sheila. He led them to examine and look at going into missions, going into missions. And as the story ends, I don't have the time to go into all the detail, but through this experience and through all of this adversity, all the trouble that they went through, God eventually left it, led them to go into missions in the Southern Baptist Convention in Mexico City, Mexico. Last time I talked to them, they were so excited about what God had done and where he was taking them. God used this adverse situation, these rumors, this, this awful situation for him, destroying his reputation, used it to move them into something where God could use them in an even greater way than ever. See, God can do anything. 
He can take our personal tragedy of rumor and vindicate and redeem it for our good and his glory. Romans 8, 28 says, God causes all things to work together for our good. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. Make peace. And number six, how do we handle rumors? Never pass it on. Never pass it on. If you hear a rumor, you need to be the dead end. You need to be the closed door. You need to be the one that checks it out. Someone must take action. And that someone, let that someone be you. Let that someone be you. We have from our values page, our value number seven. I think we'll have it on the screen. We have it on the back of, the, back of your insert as well. It's called loyalty to the absent. Loyalty to the absent. As followers of Jesus Christ, living his mandate, first to love God, then to love others as ourselves, we express that love by refraining from gossip, pledging to speak to others directly, speak well of or not speak at all. We will stop gossip at both our own mouth and our own ears by calling others into account to stop. The rumor mill, the rumor mill, rules of rumor. Take rumors seriously, don't overreact, check the facts immediately, solicit explanation, make peace, never pass it on. And the rumor mill song concludes this way, this way, it says, now listen my children to this warning I make. You've got a lot to lose and there's a lot here at stake. The Bible plainly states you're gonna reap what you sow and you'll be shown mercy by the mercy you show. So shut your mouth and ask your friends to kindly do the same, or you'll wind up a victim with no one else to blame. At the rumor mill. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you include stories and accounts in the Bible that are practical to all of us. And you don't whitewash and you don't leave out things that are, are challenging or, or things that May, may have looked your, made your people look bad. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to grow us in our faith as we move forward. And God, that by your grace, we would be a people of love, a people of grace. And we will, we will recognize rumors, recognize gossip. We will take these lessons to heart. As you desire to keep us in unity. God, I thank you that your love transcends all of these things. And I just pray that that love would permeate this congregation, Lord, as we love you first and then we love others as we worship you. Amen. Let's stand, shall we? Stand as we dismiss the benediction. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Remember, everybody's invited today downstairs. Okay, let's eat. <laughs>